I'm more than this, listeners. Dave here. We are starting our episodes during the COVID-19 pandemic a little bit differently. My wife, Kara, had the idea to interview kids about their experience of the pandemic as a way to chronicle what is likely a defining experience of children's lives today. Based on the positive response to her interview with Kate's son in a previous episode, we are going to air a brief interview between Kara and one of our friend's kids to start the show. Today we hear from Julia Jones, who is just a fantastic little girl. Listen to their conversation and stay tuned afterwards for a traditional More Than This episode. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. So, uh, do you have unicorns on your top? Yeah. That is amazing. Are you a big fan of unicorns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, how was your day? It was good. Yeah. Did you do anything fun or exciting? Uh-huh. What'd you do today? Um, today I got to um do an extra special like art thing with my hands and I used my feet too. Like Ooh. finger and feet paint. That is, that sounds like a lot of fun. I think it's fun when you get to use your body to paint. Me too. It's an excuse to kind of get messy, isn't it? (laughs) So, Julia, can you remind me, how old are you? Seven. Unbelievable. How did you get to be that old? So, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the last few weeks. Is that okay if I ask you some questions? Yeah? Thank you. So, um... What's been going on? Why are we all stuck at home? Because the coronavirus. Yeah, that's right. I've heard a thing or two about that. Have you been hearing a lot about the coronavirus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What have you heard? I've heard that lots of people have died. Okay. And that a few people are going to the hospital. Okay. Well, that sounds kind of sad and scary. Mm-hmm. Are, are you feeling sad and scared? Yeah. Are you? What do you do when you feel sad and scared? How, how, what do you do to help that? Um, I think of happy, happy times when I got to be around all my friends and family. And it makes me feel better. That's awesome. I like that. How are you? Are you still um, interacting with your friends and family in any way? Yeah, I have a special app. So, um, only my friends Uh and I can talk and like show games and like video chat. Well, so let's see. What grade are you in? I'm in first grade. First grade. Okay. So, but school's been kind of different the past few weeks, right? What does school look like for you right now? Um, right now it looks like all on the screen and the aliens. And there's no teacher, only any kids, oh. just me at my house. Okay. Um, do you miss your teacher? Yes. Yeah. I know you really liked your teacher, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Let's see. I know a couple things about what you've been doing for fun the last few weeks. I know that you went running with your mom. How far did you run? Um... I think uh, 5K. Unbelievable. So that's that's more than three miles. 
Look at you shake your head. Yes. <laughs> was it fun? Yeah. Yeah. It was super fun. Oh, good. I'm so glad. That's really awesome. Congratulations on doing that. What else have you been doing that's been fun? Um, I've also been learning how to play basketball with my dad. Nice. Sounds like you're getting some good exercise. Mm-hmm. And also, I've been getting to like do chalk and we just did a fun like chalk thing with um tape outside on my front porch and I also got spray paint on my front porch that says you can do hard things. That's very inspirational. So it's on the sidewalk so other people can see it Mm -hmm. and then they know they can do hard things too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that so much. So All right, seven-year-old Julia, if you could give the entire world some advice, what would you tell people right now? Um, I would tell people, we've got this. It's okay if you're sad or scared. And um, if someone has died in your family, just think about happy things and get something that reminds you of them. I love that. You are pretty wise. How did you get to be so wise at such a young age? I don't know. (laughs) Just magic, huh? Um, So have you, I'm guessing that when you feel a little bit worried or scared, sometimes maybe do you pray? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Has there been anything that you've been talking to God about or asking God? Making normal people get the coronavirus and normal people die. That's what you've been talking to him about? Yeah. And have you been asking for anything? I've been asking for just peace everywhere and no one getting sad or anything. And do you feel like he hears you? Yeah, I think he probably does too. Do you have anything else that you want to make sure that people hear from you about? Anything else you want to say or any questions you have? If anyone dies, I hope no one dies and Mm -hmm. I'll be praying for you. Can I ask you a few questions? You sure can. Is Sandy getting it or any of your pets getting it? Nope. My pets, so I have three dogs and you know them, don't you? Jules, Sandy, and Allie. Mm -hmm. Yep, they are all happy and healthy and loving life. Their tails are wagging like crazy. Tell Sandy I said hi. I will do it. I'll give her some extra pets. And I'll I'll tell, I'll make sure she knows they're from you. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for doing this. It was nice talking to you. It was nice talking to you too. You're listening to More Than This the podcast where Christian faith and reason explore reasons for Christian faith. Life's not a sequence program from the sky. If you enjoy our show, please consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. Check out our site at www.patreon.com forward slash more than this pod. Thank you. This week, I got to sit down with my friend Chris Dabbs to talk about the topic of atheism. We're calling this episode, Losing My Religion? 
to indicate the point that belief and non-belief is not necessarily the best distinction to draw between atheists and religionists. Enjoy. All right, welcome to more than this. I'm excited uh, this week. Um, I will I will use a, a bunch of tropes uh, today. The, the student has become the master. Um, it's just me today flying solo. Kate's not here. Uh, but I am uh, with my former student and uh, all-time friend, uh, Chris Dabbs, is with me today. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you so much, Dave. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on More Than This. More Than This. Not less than, more than. No, more than. I, I talked about using the open open side carrot symbol and then this after it. <laughs> Kate, Kate was not a fan. I don't uh, think she gets She doesn't get my visionary marketing, but whatever. <laughs> math jokes that's going to decrease your subscriber count drastically <laughs> too late hard to do <laughs> we've been looking at the less than symbol for a while so <laughs> just kidding just kidding thank you everybody for listening um today we're going to talk about a topic that we've kind of flirted with before um but i think there's a lot of misinformation around um so Chris is on today. He was kind enough to come on and talk about uh, atheism. Uh, Chris is uh, a professing atheist, and we're going to talk about <laughs> what that means because that is a fraught term depending on where you sit in society, uh, religiously or non-religiously. It is, uh, Chris, you would say, not a term that does not have baggage, right? It has a little baggage? Uh, it's got a little bit of baggage, yeah. Maybe a handbag worth. <laughs> a handbag? <laughs> You know, it's probably a carry-on at most, so it doesn't need to go under the plane. It'll go with you pretty easily. Um, but we are talking about whether people might need to check some of their baggage uh, today with this term. Ooh, that was a good one. They want the last of the listeners. There it so, goes. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty bad. So, um, as Chris, as you know, you have you have been kind enough to listen to the show before. Uh, and you know that our tagline is Christian faith and reason, looking for reasons for Christian faith. Which is uh, a great tagline, let me just add. Fantastic. R- really? I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I really like it, but I thought maybe it was a little too cute for our own good at first. <laughs> <clears throat> so you can sort of guess uh, from the off that you and I might have a different uh, sort of view of the world, at least on the view of the existence and nature of God, probably. From the from the outset, yeah, we probably have a little bit of a, a little bit of differing opinion there. Um, <laughs> just that. And one of the things that Chris and I we we just talk in general. Uh, uh, Chris, I got to teach uh, Chris in class for two years at university in the Midwest, and now he's doing highfalutin doctoral things. <laughs> Smarty pants. Um, so one of the things we both have sort of. Uh, tacitly and explicitly acknowledge that there's uh, not a lot of good for uh, reasonable, smart people to come together and just try to yell at each other and prove the other wrong. Yeah. It's not, it's not super effective. It's not super effective. Not in my experience, no. Just you end up with a sore throat and sadness. <laughs> <laughs> sore throat and sadness. Yeah. It's the title of my memoir. <laughs> So we're not going to do that today, but I, what I did want to do is, uh, Chris, I just wanted to hear, we want to hear some of your story. So I think uh, a lot of people in um, the Christian uh, part of a society um, 
may have some preconceived notions about atheists and much like people on uh, what we would term the secular side of society have a lot of preconceived notions about Christians or evangelicals. A lot of these come from sort of uh, lower lights or uh, places that we would not claim to have represent us. And I think there's been a little tension. Uh, So before we get into, actually, before we get into some of your story, calling an audible here, I'd love to, I'd love to hear some of the tensions that you feel uh, with, within uh, the atheist camp, being an atheist and, and how you feel, uh, how heterogeneous you feel uh, the, the circle of atheists is uh, worldwide? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I, I, think, I think the, the camp of atheism is very diverse. Usually we just slap labels on people and, and, you know, like you were mentioning, we have all these preconceived notions of what these things mean, but I mean, at root, definitionally, atheism just means not believing in God or gods. Um, that leaves such a breadth of experience um, that, I mean, you, you put two atheists in a room and they're not going to believe the same thing. So huge heterogeneity uh, within the camp of atheism, if that's what you want to call it. Um, so for instance, you have, if we're looking at public figures, you have people like like Lawrence Krauss, um, physicist, or, or Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, astrophysicist, who they acknowledge, they're both atheists, they acknowledge spiritual, spirituality as a, as a thing that exists. Um, theirs is more of a secular spirituality, but then on the other hand, you have people like Richard Dawkins, who, who is so certain of his uh, positionality that uh, he ignores every, any kind of metaphysical, anything, any possibility thereof. He is a, a devout atheist. <laughs> so it, just looking at the prominent figures, we can even see that there's a lot of, a lot of differentiating uh, opinions there. Yeah. I think um, you can always um, even, you can look at uh sort of a spectrum of religiosity or religious fervor or, and you could probably lay things out on sort of, I don't know what the other end would be, but going up towards like extreme fundamentalism, you probably have these traits kind of inherent across all belief groups. Um, and obviously I think we would agree that non-belief is a belief. Uh, that's just one way of looking at belief. And so it's not that you don't believe anything. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're an atheist of any stripe, you obviously to be human, believe things. So, uh, so Dawkins, you're saying maybe more towards in religious parlance, more towards that fundamentalist end of things, maybe. Yeah. He, he has, uh, in his book, the God delusion, he writes about this thing called, um, the, the spectrum of theistic probability. I think that's what it is. Don't quote me. Um, but it's it's a scale from one to seven where one is, uh, you know, your fundamentalist theist who knows that there is a God. And then seven is the opposite, your fundamentalist atheist who knows that there isn't a God. Um, and he has claimed to be a 6.9 on that scale. So <laughs> like as close to uh, knowing that there is no God as, possi- as you can possibly be. And I just, I, I have strong... Um, feelings 
both ways uh, against any kind of um, confident fundamentalism. <laughs> gotcha. So you're you're a bit more circumspect, or um, sort of have some maybe uh, classic liberal skepticism to you. I do. <laughs> which which I think is the the place that we interface uh, most nicely and get along and start cackling uh, right. pretty well <laughs> yeah. when we have conversations. Uh, so I think we have some commonality there. Um, so he's a six point nine. I won't ask you to rate yourself at this moment on the the Dawkins meter, but <laughs> but I would I would probably guess uh, getting into some of your background. I'd love to hear a little bit about where how maybe maybe we'll give yourself a chance. To, to rate yourself in the end, but how have you sort of shifted across your history? So thinking back to, I believe you do have some sort of religious background yes, uh, from your upbringing. Mm -hmm. So tell, tell us a little bit about how you grew up uh, oriented toward God. Sure. Um, so I, I'm, I'm from the Midwestern United States, uh, so kind of culturally Christian, regardless of my own personal beliefs. Uh, <laughs> So we can we can still claim you if we want to because you yeah you can um, twenty twenty census it's <laughs> book it book it uh, shout out to Gary Indiana uh, where I was raised um, so I grew up my my mom was Pentecostal and uh, my stepdad was Catholic um, we weren't we didn't go to church every weekend or anything um, but God was definitely like a, a presence in our home. Um, you know, we had pictures of Jesus and crosses and we were definitely that, that Christian family, um, whatever that means. Um, when I was fourth grade, what is that? Like 10 years old, something like that. Um, my family put me and my little sister in a Catholic school. Um, so I went to Catholic parochial school for, for three and a half years, um, between fourth and seventh grade. And uh, my mom actually converted to Catholicism. So the, the faith system that I most associate with when I, th when I think of my former Christian identity is Catholicism, um, because that's, that was kind of when I really got into theology, when I got into really talking about God uh, on an intellectual level. Um, when I got out of of Catholic school and went back into public school that I, I still maintained my faith um, throughout high school, mostly until I got to undergrad. Um, I went to uh, a small liberal arts college, um, which leans conservative and um, Christian. So when I got there, I, I kind of went through a, a crisis of faith. I think I, I've heard you use that term in the past. Oh, uh, hip hip Christians call it deconstruction, but you don't deconstruction. Need to own, you don't need to own that unless unless you you feel it fits. Well, I might want to um, fit into the the hip Christian gang sometime, so I'll I'll add that to my lexicon. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> went through a little deconstructive phase, um, and I went through this whole process where I where I lost my faith, and then I grieved my faith, and then I found um, I found other organizations that were secular. Um, so like, for instance, I started a, an, a, this, a branch of the Secular Student Alliance, which is this national kind of contingent of secular students. I started that at my undergrad and um, 
then I started studying religion and then I got my one of my majors in undergrad was religious studies. So I've kind of had this interesting development and I'm still developing today. My opinions and on spirituality and religion change um, and have changed pretty recently. So I think it's, it's all a, a lifetime process, at least for me. So what, let me go. It's really interesting. Let me unpack. Uh, and by the way, if you're listening out there, I know I say things are interesting all the time. I listen <laughs> back to the show. I know it. Um, but take me through that, that sort of uh, shift, that transition, that inflection point. What kinds of things were you seeing that were kind of uh, disconcerting for you, disquieting, and move you and moved you to a place where you uh, felt more comfortable in starting a, uh, being part of a secular association? Sure. Uh, I think it was kind of at an intersection of a few things. So one, I, I had moved away from home for the first time. So I was kind of stripped of all of my former identity. Um, uh, I was in a very uncomfortable place. It was new. It was kind of starting fresh. Um, there was a there was a point in time, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but I got really disillusioned with the Catholic Church, um, as a lot of former Catholics and current Catholics uh, do. Um, there was a, there was just a lot going on with the church, and um, I, I didn't like it. So uh, I'd stopped associating with Catholicism, and then I I, I went. So it was kind of a bump down. Um, I guess if, if I had this Catholic identity, then it was just a Christian identity. Uh, I did some searching. I talked to, you know, multiple uh, Christian student organizations trying to kind of find my place where I fit, um, trying to bolster this identity of mine, and it, nothing fit. Um, I started taking religion classes. I started talking to people of other non-Christian faiths. Um, Muslim students and Hindu students and Buddhist students. And then I, I think just the education kind of led me to a place of why Christianity, not why religion, just why, why Christianity specifically. Um, and then from there, I, I, th I think I, I just somewhere along the lines, I just lost that identity. Um, and then there was, there was a vacuum. So, uh, I no longer associated with, with believers. So I kind of had to construct this non-believer community around myself. And that was kind of the, the catalyzing event for me finding this uh, secular student Alliance in undergrad. That's, that's really cool. I, I think that I, I love that distinction. I want to press on it a little bit, that sort of believer, non-believer distinction. Um, and obviously that is a, loaded with sort of uh, Christian theistic assumptions, right? So um, what what did you positively believe? So I think it, it can be said, that, uh, and I'll throw some of my own uh, kind under the bus here. I know I've heard a lot of Christians say that atheists don't believe in anything or, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of information out there. So talk about the, the positive move of that. So you lost, um, but thinking about... Uh, positively what you gained and what drew you to secularism? What, what positive drew you to secularism and what belief uh, really took you to that place? Well, Dave, that's a really good question. Um, I don't, I don't think 
even today, I don't, I don't know that I've really thought about it in that way. Um, what, what immediately comes to mind is I learned so many things in my Catholic upbringing that were very shameful. Um, so for instance, like I was there, there was some social thing, uh, some social justice oriented things. Like I'm, I'm a huge proponent of LGBTQ rights and the Catholic church isn't <laughs> largely. Um, so part of, part of my secular identity was finding a place where like people were accepted because all I had known before was, you know, not acceptance. So, right. Part was, was sociocultural. There's that piece. Um, another part of it, I think was just the relief of like falling into a place where it was okay to not believe these things. And that, that didn't mean I was going to, you know, burn in hell for all of eternity, for instance. Um, that's a little bit, that's, that's disquieting, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah, very. Yes. Is, I'm, not, I don't I'm, know not, if, I'm not trying to make light of, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that those yeah. that either or that tension. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's high stakes. It was. And I think the, the immense relief that I felt when I, I felt very confined within the dogma of the church. Um, so, so to kind of like free myself of that was, was very relieving. And I think I rode that sense of relief for a really long time before I even started questioning my secular identity or my identity as an atheist. I think that you bring up an interesting point. And in counseling, um, Chris as a, a trained counselor as well, so uh, you'll probably relate on this tip. Uh, one of the things I realized, actually I realized it myself and not in my clients, is that a lot of uh, what I used to label as re- uh, peace is really just relief. And those are actually two separate things. So I can really see that you're uh, really feeling relief. It's so welcome, right? Like mm-hmm. when you release a steam valve on something and it depressurizes something, right. there's an initial, and it may last for quite a while, but it can masquerade as actually conditions of peace, but mm-hmm. it isn't the same thing, is it? No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I, you know, during this transitive time, uh, when I was around 18 or 19, um, I don't think I was at peace. I do think I felt a great sense of relief. Um, but I was definitely not at peace there. <laughs> I would be really interested to see someone do, um, like a, developmental theory around atheist identity because I see a lot of people go through the same things where they get disillusioned with their religion and then they turn into this anti-theistic um, like negative person and I definitely went through that uh, at some point in time and I was not at peace then I was very angry I was very there was a lot of negative emotionality tied into my the loss of my previous identity um, so uh, yeah I, I think that's that's a very good, um, very good difference there. Peace or relief. But, and you, and you put your, your finger on there's something too with that anti-theist, uh, atheist distinction. Uh, I mean, for those of us tracking, uh, Latin roots, I'm probably wrong that it's Latin. Who knows? But, <laughs> uh, ah, uh, means not right. Ah, theist, like not a theist. Right. Anti means against or contra. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's an interesting distinction, and I would 
uh, really be curious to hear a little bit about your transition from an anti-theist to a, a just a not theist. Yeah, uh, I think part of the 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 social aspect of of the negativity surrounding atheism is that people conflate it with anti-theism. Um, I hear this all the time in the media or from from people who just who are ignorant to the differences. Uh, I don't know many true anti-theists. I know a lot of atheists, but um, personally, my my transition was Christian to something, questioning maybe like deist kind of flavor to anti-theist. Um, and then I, I started realizing, just talking to people, maybe this is just you know, human development stuff. I, I matured, uh, you know, our brains aren't fully developed, especially us men um, with our small brains. They're not developed. Preach. Preach. <laughs> They're not developed until our mid twenties. So um, my brain was still going through some development and there was a point in time where I had, I had start talking, I talked to some really good theist friends of mine who found such power and solace in their faith and I mean, some of my best friends in the world are, are people of faith and having conversations with them, these, you know, those really late night undergrad conversations where you're supposed to be doing homework, but instead you're just like out at a steak and shake talking for four, four hours. Um, we talked a lot about what their faiths meant to them. And I think just empathically that chain pin. Um, one of the things I think that a lot of anti-theists don't do is they don't talk to enough Christians or people of faith, um, because if they did, they would they would gain that familiarity. They would under have a better understanding of of the positives of religiosity and spirituality, and I think that would take them out of that that place, move them more towards an atheistic stance. Yeah, I think uh, I've, my my position for a while has been any any faith uh any any belief system that's kind of worth its salt and can uphold you kind of uh existentially that it needs to be able to you know withstand the realities of your own existence you right know? yeah uh and if it's not robust enough to do that or it doesn't provide solace or help for that then uh yeah the only because i i know and i'm guilty of this i mean for one just numerically it probably is harder in the midwest to seek out people who are of the atheist persuasion and and have you know com- robust conversation but i you know i don't know if you heard this but growing up i was actually discouraged from doing that as well uh because it, it could be something that really swayed your faith through like uh smooth and uh smooth sounding arguments and right. things like that yeah and uh, i thought well now that my brain is done forming uh, which is kind of regrettable because I, I wish it had formed some more. <laughs> I keep keep holding out. Uh, I think it's correlated to hair growth. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Come on. Just started losing. But uh, I just was like, well, no. I, I mean, it's very, very common for Christians who either retain faith or, or lose their Christian faith to go through this period of, of deconstruction or doubt or questioning. And, you know, whatever you wherever you arrive, um, I think that we can, we can also both say that one of the things I kind of cheerfully, uh, sort of dark humor tell people 
when they say, you know, they'll be like, I could never serve a God who fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if God is real and I believe God is, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have much choice in the matter. You can't, <laughs> de- you can't deselect an omnipotent being, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like having like, Oh, I don't like Trump or I don't like Clinton. They're not my president on the back of your car. I'm like, well, if you're a U.S. citizen, they, they technically are. I get your point, but you can't be like, no, that's not my God. Like, I guess if God's real, you know, whatever. But, you know, when you get to that position of, of thinking through your faith, like whatever faith you end up with, it should be able to withstand talking to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and being informed by somebody. And I, I actually start to really doubt the faith of people who can't, engage in conversation you can't really interface with someone with a different belief for fear that their belief might crumble my 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 sadistic side sort of says well maybe maybe it needs to at that point right needs to crumble yeah yeah i i i uh i have similar qualms just in general with people who can't engage in any kind of conversation that might butt up against their core beliefs um I mean, I, th- I think it's just one of the best things we can do to l- learn about one another, to to become healthier, happier people. It- it's okay if you don't agree, but being open to the conversation, openness is very important. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. And I I think uh, uh, what do you say? Well, there's an expression I'm trying to remember now. Like if you stand for nothing you'll fall for anything or something like that i don't know i I heard all these these sort of cliches growing up (laughs) right but but uh yeah it's like if your core faith can't sort of move closer i think that engagement is really necessary um i hate to say it i'm just giving us a little bit of a warning because we only have a few minutes probably left to chat and like i can see this going a million different directions but i guess um i'm going to do the thing you're not supposed to do with people and I'm going to have you, I'm not going to have you talk on behalf of all atheists because we've already gone out of our way. To my credit, I think, to establish that there's atheists are a heterogeneous grouping, right? Yes. They're not, yeah. not just one, one thing or one set of beliefs or anti-beliefs. Um, what, would you, what would you kind of, actually, you did something a while ago, Chris, we're Facebook friends, and you said, uh, basically, I'm an atheist, ask me anything, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of inviting conversation and I, I i just wanted to ask you what your favorite color was and not really take the bait of like you know this is like supposed to be a challenge about beliefs but to people who are wary of engaging atheists or have conceptions that atheists have no sort of uh, concrete system of morals mm-hmm. or moral ethic uh you've probably heard this before uh what what would you want uh people who might be listening who who have heard those things to know what kind of what what would you want them to know what would i want them to know um i would want them to know that the that atheists are just people <laughs> yeah that's just, good just like you um everyone of every differing identity to you is also just another human uh, if you strip away all of the identities um, and you can just engage someone on a humanistic level with the presupposition that most people are good, um, I think that will take these conversations very far. Because what I, what I fear is that 
people are afraid um, yeah. because they're, they're afraid of the unfamiliar. They're afraid of what they've heard. Um, you know, we're not all like sacrificing in, infants at a blood moon or something. Um, maybe some of us. No. Mostly just on the high holidays, right, Chris? Mostly. Yeah. That's a joke for anybody <laughs> out there. No, we're just regular people. Um, talk to us about regular things. If you want to engage with religiosity and spirituality, um, know where you're coming, who you're coming to with it. Um, but it's, it's okay. We're not scary people. Well said. And I think just even thinking on the, the idea of moral ethics and uh, if you, some of the sort of chief uh, Christian ethics, I think you could probably widely embrace whether you're a theist, uh, Christian, Roman Catholic, atheist, anti-theist, agnostic, I don't think too many people would quibble with uh, the golden rule or things, things like that are sort of major uh, ethical guideposts and, and, and guiding concepts. Exactly. So anyhow, boy, this got cut short. Full disclosure, guys, uh, I'm up. Uh, Dave's up against the deadline here. So <laughs> I've got to, I've got to sign off early, unfortunately, but Chris, I just can't thank you enough for being on. And I feel like we've got more to, more to talk about. So we may have you back on a panel or another episode, but uh, Chris, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for lending me your platform. Life's not a sequence, but